You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. It's Sunday, and uh, we're always excited about small groups. And uh, I just wanted to warn you because at the very end, in fact, I'll warn you all the way. My final point is going to be to convince you to join a small group. So I just want, I don't want to launch that on you by surprise. I just want you to know, because I know sometimes you want warning before you have to make a life decision. And so I'm just pre-warning you that in about uh, 20 minutes, I'm going to be asking you to make a life decision. So you can preempt that now online as well. You guys start thinking about it. So when it comes time, you're ready to jump in. Is that all right? It's small group Sunday and we're all about it today. And uh, I want to say welcome, especially if you're a guest with us, if you're watching online. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. We have been in a series all month throughout January talking about promises, uh, looking at the promises of God, and as well as being Small Group Sunday, I'm closing that uh, series out, and I'm actually looking at our part in the promises of God. And there's one particular part that we play that I think is super important, and we're going to be looking at that today. Here's the passage of Scripture we've been looking at, and it's in 2 Corinthians 1.20. You should find it in your notes on the app. Uh, we do have some paper notes as well. If you uh, want those, you can go um, back down to the information area and grab them. But here's our passage. It says, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means, yes, ascends to God for his glory. Let me pray, and then we'll get straight into it. Oh, God, we thank you that you're already here, you're already working, you're already moving, you're already speaking to us. But God, right now, we turn to your word, and we ask that it would come alive. God, would you allow the words on the page to not just be black and white print, but that they would be something that we can grab a hold of, that they would nourish each of us. Lord, would you open our eyes and open our ears to see and hear what it is you want us to hear. Lord, would you help me as I communicate? Fill me up, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We use that word as Christians, and I think we even use it, even if we're not a churchgoer, uh, it's a word that we are familiar with and we know, amen. We say it quite a bit, and we say it in different ways, but I've kind of come to, as I've been thinking about it through the course of this whole series, I've been thinking about that word, amen, and I've been thinking that I wonder if we say it so much and we just throw it around so often that we've forgotten what it really means. See, we say it at the end of a prayer, don't we? We say amen. We almost use it, it's like a full stop, so God knows we're done. Like, he, we say amen. He knows we're finished and finished the prayer, Lord. We are moving on with our day. We say it at the end of grace, don't we, when we're blessing the food. And I'm not sure if we say it as a closure to the grace or as an opening, like, tuck in. We can eat now. Everybody knows once you've said amen for the grace, you're just waiting. In fact, you're not even listening to the grace prayer. You're just waiting for the amen. So you can jump straight into eating the food, right? Uh, if we're feeling, if we're super happy clappy on a Sunday and the preacher's doing a real good job, you might shout out from your seat, amen, uh, maybe an enthusiastic hallelujah. Uh, if we're watching, you know, the televangelists on the TV, some of those really loud ones, uh, they will shout it, they'll give a hearty, can I get an amen, uh, as they are preaching and bringing the word. Uh, we use it in conversation though. We use it when we're having a chat with a friend and 
Maybe something that they say really resonates with us, and we say, oh, yes, amen to that. Uh, we use it like that. We use it online, like the online, the online chat. There's some amens, and if we're really feeling it, there'll be some praise hand emojis going on. That just gives your amen an extra oomph with the praise hands emojis, doesn't it? Yep. Uh, you guys respond with it when the preacher or the MC they say, and everyone said, and everyone says, Amen. Good job. You guys know it, right? And if you've listened to the song, The Blessing, at any time in 2020, you will know that The Blessing has 30 amens. I counted all of them twice because I got interrupted the first time and had to go back and double check to hadn't missed any because it's harder than you think to count the amens in The Blessing. It gets confusing. But you know, you know that in a parliamentary gathering in America, when the prayer is concluded with amen and then a woman, which actually happened, Google it if you don't know, but you know that when it becomes a gendered word or term, which it is not, and I just put that out there, it is not, you know that it has lost its meaning its significance, and most certainly its power to humanity. When we do not understand the meaning behind the word, we are not accessing the power it can bring you. And I want to tell you today, while I actually began preparing this message long before the Amen and A Woman incident, I believe it has used a beautiful illustration to prove my point completely that we need to get the meaning back in the amen. And so I wanna teach you today that your amen has great power, for, especially when it comes to the promises that God's got for your life. Are you ready to get stuck in? All right, let's go. The first mention, you're all amening me now, I know. It's gonna be hard for you not to say it every sentence because now we all want to. Uh, but the first mention of the word amen in Scripture is in Numbers 5. And then from that point onwards, uh, we read it hundreds of times through the New Testament and the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, it was often used uh, as acknowledgement of, commitment to, and agreement to a blessing or a curse that was being spoken. Now, often it was said at the end of a statement or sentence, and then as a secondary use of the word, it was also often used in response to. So a statement or a sentence would be spoken, and the people would respond with amen. And in those circumstances, when it was used in that way, we find that in the original translation, in the language it was originally written, the root word for the word amen is amen, which means truly, yes, so be it, let it be, and verily. And that word amen comes from the root word amen, and that amen is a verb, and it means to confirm, to be faithful to establish or to make firm. Come on, isn't this good? Uh, to be sure or lasting, to believe, to be reliable, to be trusty, to be affirmed or confirmed and to trust. This tells me 
that this is a word I can have confidence in. And I can have confidence in it when it comes to the promises of God over my life. When it is spoken in the context of God's promises for me, I can be confident and have assurance in the word that I am proclaiming. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes and through Christ our amen, which means yes. And so there are four things I just want to bring to you today. And I want to propose that this is where we can carry so much more meaning in our amen when we understand these four things. The first thing is this. We can say amen even when we doubt. We can say amen even when we doubt, and we can do so because Christ is our trustworthy and faithful witness. Christ is our trustworthy and faithful witness. What I mean by that is this. It's really interesting when you look into this word amen in Scripture, and what I've come to learn is that Jesus' use of the word in the New Testament is different to how it was used in the Old Testament. And when we understand how Jesus used it in the New Testament, it gives another level of meaning for us and it brings it into a different kind of light. You see, Jesus didn't use it to end a statement. When Jesus uses it in the New Testament, he didn't use it like they did in the Old Testament where they use it to end a statement and he didn't use it in response to a statement either. No, Jesus used it at the beginning of a statement at the beginning of a sentence. When you look at Jesus' teachings, we see that over 70 times in the Gospels, Jesus begins his teachings by saying this phrase, and it'll be familiar to you. He says, truly, I say to you. Truly, I say to you. If you've read any of the Gospels, you'll be familiar that Jesus often started his sentences in that way. Truly, I say to you. But when you look at that word truly, it is from the very same root word as the word amen. So Jesus is not just saying truly, I say to you. He's saying amen, I say to you. And he's using it in the same way that the prophets used the phrase, thus says the Lord. And the Apostle Paul, when he says, I've received a revelation from heaven. What they're doing when they say, thus says the Lord, or I've received a revelation from heaven, is they are letting the people listening know, you can trust what I'm about to tell you. You can trust that this word that I'm speaking is true, and you can trust it because you know it comes from an authority that is not me. You know that it's coming from the Lord. And so when Jesus says it, when he stands in front of a crowd of people and he says, truly, or amen, I say to you, what Jesus is saying is you can trust the word that I am speaking and you can put your dependence and your trust and your faith in my spoken word simply because I'm saying it. Because Jesus is like the Father and he needs no other proof than the fact that he himself is uttering it. Why? Because he is faithful to fulfill his promises. Listen, yeah, come on. Listen to the verses that we find before our main scripture for today. If we start our reading in verse 18, listen to what it says. It says, as surely as God is faithful, our word to you does not waver between a yes and a no. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver. 
between a yes and a no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you. Listen to this. And as God's ultimate yes. Christ is God's ultimate yes for us. Listen to what it says. It says, he always does what he says. There it is. He always does what he says for all of God's promises have been fulfilled with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen. Man, that takes on a whole new meaning, doesn't it? We can see that verse now in a whole different light. And it tells me that even in my doubt, I can still say amen. And even in my doubt, I can still say yes. And even in my doubt, I can still say, let it be, even when I don't see it, even when I don't understand what's going on around me, even when my faith feels small and insignificant and like it's not enough, even when my faith is rocked by my circumstance and I'm not even sure I can hold on anymore, even when I'm not feeling it, because you know those days where you're just not feeling it and it's just hard to feel it. Even when we don't understand, when we don't see, when we're not sure how it's gonna work out, can I tell you today, your amen still carries power. Why? Because it's not about you. Your amen is not about what you can do. Your amen, when you say amen to a prayer or a promise, you're not saying anything about your ability or your capability. Your amen isn't saying anything about your talent or your gift. Your amen is simply proclaiming who God is and he is the fulfiller of promises and he always does what he says. Your amen is less about you and it's more about him and that's why even in my doubt, I can still say amen. Amen? Sorry. I can't help it. I can't help it. We can say amen even when we doubt. Number two. Number two. Amen makes us joint owners in the promise. Amen makes us joint owners in the promise. Can you remember when you were growing up and you wanted something expensive or valuable? Especially as you hit those teenage years, you got the old learner's or restricted license and you wanted that all-important first car, right? Well, mum and dad didn't just buy it for you, did they? No, they made you earn it. They said you had to work for it. Why did they do that? Well, they did it because they wanted to teach you a valuable lesson. They wanted to teach you the difference between possession and ownership, they wanted to teach you the difference between possession and ownership because ownership values in a way that possession doesn't. Ownership stewards in a way that possession doesn't. Ownership honors in a way that possession doesn't. Ownership of something is incredibly powerful. And in the Old Testament, when amen was proclaimed after a blessing or even a curse, we find it in certain circumstances, what was taking place in that moment was that the proclaimers of amen were taking the substance of what was being declared of the promise and they were making it their own. They were taking ownership of the promise. They were saying, I'm not just gonna agree with it, I'm gonna own it. It's now my 
promise. It's now my declaration. And when you and I pray and we say amen, we are moving from being requesters of a promise to being owners of a promise. What we're doing is we are accepting and saying yes to God's invitation to partner with Him to see that promise walk its way out to fulfillment. And what happens is we move, we shift, and there's a shift that takes place. And all of a sudden, we become owners of something and we begin to steward it differently. And we begin to value that promise differently. And we begin to honor it differently. What happens is we actually begin to live differently. We begin to live like we are owners of the promise. See, what takes place is there's a level of expectation that shifts. See, ownership expects way up here instead of down here. Because what happens is when we say amen, we're not just agreeing with the promise, we're actually coming into alignment with the promise. And when we come into alignment with the promise, it changes the way we live. We begin to live like we actually believe it. We begin to live like we actually believe it. I can remember when we were buying our first home, I've told you this story before, buying our house and we moved back from Whangarei and with the property market being super hot, it was like totally looked impossible and a three-year search and you can imagine it begins to feel a little bit hopeless and what I found myself doing, though, was buying items for the house that I hadn't seen, for buying items and things for the house I didn't own, for buying items and things for the property I hadn't even stepped foot in. In fact, what I came to understand is that uh, because we built a new house in the end was that I was buying things for a house that didn't even exist. Uh, I bought bar stools and artwork and pendant lights for a kitchen that hadn't been built yet. Um, and what was happening was I didn't have possession of it, but I had ownership of it. All I had was the promise, and I could trust the promise giver. And so what I did was I shifted from being a requester of the promise to being an owner of it to being an owner of it. Why don't you begin to own the promises of God over your life with your amen? Number two, uh, number three, number three. Sorry, before I move on, I wanna say this. I wanna say this to somebody today. Maybe for you today, you need to start dressing for the promotion and become an owner of it. Maybe for you today, you need to name the baby, begin to own it. Maybe for you today, you need to uh, begin to start reading those leadership manuals or those study books from the course that you maybe haven't gone on to yet. Perhaps you need to start shopping for the home, become owners of the promise. Number three, I can get there now. Number three, amen is our part in the process. Amen is our part in the process. Our oldest boy, Judah, he's uh, nearly 11, and he's at this stage in his development. And I'm trusting all the parents who've got older children out there that this is just a stage, and we're going to move on from this, and we're all going to be all right. But what he's doing at the moment is he uh, wants in on all the conversations. He wants to be a part of everything that's going on. Like, he wants to know everything. 
And so whenever conversations are going on around him, he all of a sudden appears and he's there listening. And he's just super nosy at the moment. He's got major FOMO. He doesn't want to miss out on anything. So he's right there. And so what we find is we're having a conversation or even uh, you tell each other something and you go, oh, that's cool. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it doesn't matter where he is in the house, all of a sudden, boom, there he is. And he says this, wait, what? That's what he says every day, all, all day, every day. Wait, what? Wait, what? Wait, what? It's so annoying, guys. It's driving us crazy. It's driving us crazy. And we're constantly having to tell him, get out of it. It's none of your business. Nosy Parker. (laughs) Without offending you, I just want to maybe suggest that maybe God wants to say that to us sometimes. Like, we're all down here, and we're like, wait, what? Wait, what? What's going on over here, God? And what are you doing about this, God? And, oh, can't you do it like that, God? And what if you did it like this, God? And wait, what? And God's like, it's actually none of your business. (laughs) Get out of it. We're so busy trying to pick up responsibility and take care of business That's not our business. That's God's responsibility. Listen, his responsibility is the fulfillment. My responsibility is the amen. His responsibility is the fulfillment. Your responsibility is the amen. And we can be so desperate for the fulfillment of the promise to come through that we get all busy about it, don't we? And we're pushing and we're manipulating and we're trying to strive and we're trying to make it all happen. What we're doing is we're taking responsibility for something that's not ours. Our responsibility is the amen. And can I tell you, there are some seasons that you are going to go through and you have to learn to be okay with doing nothing else. There are some circumstances in your life and all you can do is proclaim an amen. And then you have to sit back and let God work it out. His responsibility is the fulfillment. Yours is simply the amen. And it's amazing how fast God can move when we get out of his way and we take what's our responsibility and we make it ours and leave what's his responsibility and we leave it to him. When our family moved to Whangarei, we knew it was not gonna be a long time. We knew that we were only there for a season. We didn't know how long it was gonna be, but we knew it was just a season. And so we moved up there. We loved our time there, absolutely. But there came a time where I just felt like we were ready for the next thing. But unfortunately, God must have lost the schedule that I drew up for him (laughs) because he began to become real slow at moving, and and you know when that happens, you know what we do, don't you? We begin to try and look for all the opportunities and all the doors and give it a little shove there. And is that the thing? Is that is that the opportunity? Is that the thing? Is that what's next? Is that the next step? We're like, wait, what? <laughs> and I can remember driving home. We used to drive through beautiful countryside to get to. Guys, we lived in the most beautiful place up there. And I can remember driving home and. I can remember looking around me and feeling just this conviction at discontentment in such a beautiful place. And I can remember out loud saying, okay, God, if this is where we stay for the rest of my days, 
I will be 100% okay with that. I'll be content with where you've got me. Can I tell you, and this is no lie, that same week, we got a phone call at 7 a.m. on a Wednesday morning from Pastor Luke, bro, you know something's about to change when you get a phone call at 7 a.m. on a Wednesday morning to say, can you guys move back to Auckland? Like the same week I prayed that prayer, I was like, oh, God, I like just said to you, I'd be okay staying here and now you've asked me to move. But isn't it amazing how quickly God moves when we get out of the way and let him take responsibility for what's his responsibility. All right, last one. Team, you can come and join me now. Here, this is really important and I'm about to hit the small groups promo. So just prepare, get ready, get ready. This is it, this is coming. We can say amen for others too. We can say amen for others too. We love small groups. Like we're so passionate about it, we don't shut up about it. And we're okay with that. But the reason we love them so much is because we believe there's power and significance for them in your life. And they can really be something quite powerful for you if you would let it. There are so many different small groups. We start new ones every term and some are Bible ones and some are coffee ones and some are bike ones and walking ones. There's so many different ones. But one thing that they have in common is this. And this is the goal. This is what we try and do. We don't always get it right. But the goal is that if you were in a small group, you would be known by name and prayed for daily. Known by name and prayed for daily. And you know one of the most powerful things about being part of a small group is that community of prayer that begins to develop. And I'll tell you why. It's because when you stand in a room of believers and you hear a promise declared or the word of God spoken, it might be that that promise or that word is not necessarily for you. You might not feel like it resonates with you. It's not a word that you really needed just because of the season of life that you're in or the circumstances. For example, you might be financially secure and so a word about provision isn't gonna like hit like another word might. But can I tell you that even if the word isn't for you, it's definitely for someone near you. And that person needs your amen. That person needs your amen. Because what happens is when we amen for a promise for someone else, what we're doing is the implication of that word is that we're binding ourselves to journey with them through to the fulfillment of that promise. It means that we not only partner with God, we partner with others in seeing it come to pass. And so I, I just want to encourage you that when you hear in small group or in church, you hear someone declare a promise, uh, say something, a word, pray a prayer, even if it's not for you, can I encourage you to say amen, to say amen for the people around you who desperately need your agreement because they may be in a stage in their life, a position in their season where they can't say it for themselves and they need you. They need you. When I had Judah and went into labor with Judah, I, um, my oldest boy, I sent a text to a really good friend of mine and I said, hey, I'm going into labor, can you pray? And so... Um, I labored all night. Jude was born at 5 a.m. And then my good friend came and visited. She was one of the first ones to come to the hospital. And she walked in the room, and I can remember it so clearly. She walked in the room, and I said, and, and she looked terrible, guys. She looked really awful. She looked so tired, dark circles, rings around her. Like, she, she looked worse than me. And I had just labored all night and delivered a nine-pound baby. I said to her, what's, what's the matter? What's happened? You look awful. She said, I've been up all night. I said, why? She said, because you were. You were. You couldn't sleep, so I didn't want to. I just, I just prayed 
because I wanted to experience and journey with you and go through what you were going through. I wanted to experience it with you. I wanted you to know that you had me there. Even though I wasn't there, I wanted to be there with you. That is what it looks like to carry another's amen. That is what it looks like to amen for someone and walk the journey and partner with them and seeing a promise come to fulfillment. And so can I please encourage you at the end of this service, if you are not yet in a small group, just say yes to one. Just say yes to one. Use the Connect card. Go down and see the team over there. Sign up. Let me pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God, I thank you for this incredible community of people. We love them, Lord. And right now, I just know that promises are coming to mind. Promises of, uh, of, of children, promises of a baby, promises of financial provision, promises of a home, promises of a job. Right now, coming to mind, promises of a prodigal coming home, promises of a relationship restored, promises of marriage strengthened. Right now, these things are coming to mind for you. And as a community of people, Lord, in this moment, right now, as people bring to mind promises and prayers that they have on their heart, God, we stand together and we say amen. We say amen to the promise. And in doing so, we commit to partnering with you and with each other on walking through the journey toward fulfillment. One more thing I wanna do, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I believe there's people in the room today and you came to church for the sole purpose of knowing God. You don't know Him, or maybe you knew Him a long time ago, but today, if you were honest, you'd say you were far from Him. This is you, this is your moment. I'm speaking to you right now. The truth is God loves you and He created you with a plan and a purpose in mind. But over the course of our life, what happens is we all walk away. We do our own thing. We make mistakes. We turn our backs on God. The Bible calls it sin. And that sin, it separates us from Him. But God loves you so much that He sent His Son, Jesus, to live a sinless life and to die a sinner's death so that He could pay the debt that you and I were due for our sin. And in doing so, allowed us to come back and be reconciled to God in relationship with Him. And I'm gonna pray a prayer that's gonna lead you in a reconciliation moment. I want you to join me in praying this prayer. You can pray it in your heart. You don't have to pray it out loud. Just pray it inside, but really make it your own. Are you ready? Come on, let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you that you went to the cross for me, that you paid the debt that I was due. I receive your forgiveness today. I give my life over to you now and I ask you to make me brand new. I wanna start a journey with you. I choose this day to follow you in Jesus' name with every head still bowed and every eye closed. Don't let praying that prayer be the only step you take. I'm not gonna call you to the front. I'm not gonna embarrass you, but I would like to see who I prayed for. All I'm gonna do is I'm gonna count to three. And on the count of three, I'd love for you to lift your hand up just so I can see it. Lift it up nice and high. I'll acknowledge it and you can put it straight back down. Are you ready? Be bold, be brave. One, two, three. Hands can go up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yes, thank you. Anybody else who's saying, Bex, can you count me in on that prayer? Awesome, thank you. Anybody else? Yes, over here, thank you. See, yes, thank you. 
Anybody else who's saying, Bex, can you count me in on that prayer? Prayed it for the first time, maybe coming back to God. Awesome, I see you. Thank you. I see you. Yes. Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you so much. God, that you're a God who restores and makes whole, Lord Jesus. And I thank you for these decisions, these people that have given their life to you today. And right now, as we know, as all of heaven celebrates, we celebrate too. Come on, church, would you give God some praise? Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancentre.org.nz